and welcome back to another book podcast. On today's episode we are joined by the fabulous Georgina Moore who came into the Legend office to discuss her new book and all things publishing. Not only has Georgina recently released a Sunday Times bestseller, The Garnet Girls, she has also been working as a book publicist in the industry for many years, working with some incredible authors like Maggie O'Farrell. I had the wonderful opportunity to talk to Georgina all about The Garnet Girls, which will feature in this week's episode, and Carrie, one of our lovely fiction editors, was able to chat with her about her career in publishing which will be released in two weeks time we hope you enjoy the episode as per usual a quick disclaimer despite any connections to the publishing industry all opinions on books and biscuits are completely our own here at another book podcast so let's dive into this week's episode Welcome, Georgina. So nice to have you on another book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. To talk about your fantastic book, The Garnet Girls, which came out earlier this year. What month did it come out in? It came out in February. Lovely. From and HQ, very quickly became a bestseller, which is just fantastic. <laughs> yes. It, funnily enough, it didn't seem like it was quick <laughs> because, of course, there's a whole run-up mm. uh, to publication that sort of was a year, really, a year of work um, with, you know, when you get the press early and you send them out to authors for quotes yeah. and the kind of building and all the PR that was done. But yes, it was um, thrilling to see it there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just just one of those pinch pinch me moments. Yeah. I mean, it is so it's so funny kind of then being on the publishing side of it. You've you've been working on this book for well, when you're in publishing, you're working on it for like a year or so before people see it and then obviously writing it, you work on it so much longer than that. And then suddenly people are like, "Oh, this new book." And you're like, "Yeah, this new book is <laughs> 10 years of my life." But no, it's and it's amazing to see all that hard work pay off and it to become a bestseller, which it's obviously worthy for. It's made me from moving from being a book publicist and then an author, and I hope I was always is a sympathetic book publicist but it has made me see it from the other side and it's been really interesting to see to really have it proven to me that authors have to work so hard it's hard it's hard work um for authors because you're sort of putting yourself out there yeah um I mean for me I'm a bit of a natural show-off extrovert anyway (laughs) luckily but I think if you're not if you're an introvert it must be really really hard really difficult Mm. and also um like some authors who maybe don't have as much for social media presence as well that then can become a bit of a struggle but I know that like even our authors who come to us without Mm. one they then really try to get into it because that's so important and your social media is great so that's also helpful. I was so lucky because I started it Twitter I I had a brilliant brilliant assistant who's now queen of the world Maura Maura Wilding who's like head of Pashat comms but she was my assistant at the time at Headline and she just said George you've got to get on Twitter it's so you (laughs) And, and we did, and, and, and that team I had at Headline were one of the first teams, really, press teams, to really embrace book bloggers that came right. with this whole new world of book Twitter. Um, and, and we got to know them we, quite quickly and, and realised what a massive asset they were going to mm. be. Because as pages of uh, reviews, particularly for fiction, dwindle across the press, it's, it, it's very depressing sometimes yeah. to feel, oh gosh, um, not, not another magazine. Recently, Platinum Magazine has now gone um so your options are limited sometimes Mm. for fiction and particularly genre fiction where the 
you know, national reviews are, are, are very sparse. Yeah. Um, so book bloggers, discovering book bloggers at that time through social media, through book Twitter was just a joy. And they remain one of the biggest joys of my life, both as a publicist and as an author. And before, I feel like, you know, through um, Goodreads and Amazon, you could see kind of the reaction it was getting. But seeing someone rave about your book on, on social media must be such an incredible feeling, especially when it first comes out and you're, you're getting quite a few at one time. Like, that must just be so it is fulfilling. Really, it is really nice. And, and what happens is that there is a sort of band of book bloggers and they all know each other mm-hmm. and they support each other and they go to events together but what I think people some people in the industry don't realize or, or maybe just punters readers buying books is that book bloggers you know sometimes it can see oh it's well, they get free books lucky them and sometimes you know do they even but I know book bloggers who when they love a book which will be a lot of times because they'll probably read 10 books mm-hmm. you know a, a, a month they will go to the author events yeah. to see their author. And then even if they've been sent a proof or they've been approved of it on NetGalley, they go and they buy a hardback and yeah. they get it signed. I mean, it's an, an extraordinary support for authors mm-hmm. that. Because, they, you know, some might say they've already got a copy. Why would they? But they do. And books aren't, you know, we know that hardbacks aren't cheap. And, yeah. and, and with the cost of living and everything, it's mm. that, that kind of commitment is really valued by authors. Yeah. And it is, you know, it's such a community mm-hmm. and, you know, almost like a an absolutely massive book club where exactly. once it's suggested by one, the trust that mm. all the others have in each other is incredible because then when it's suggested as a read they really take that they on really board do. I've seen I've I've had happy days I've had moments and all authors go through this I've had moments where I've looked at Goodreads and I've thought oh my goodness I'm just going to go and hide in a dark room everyone hates my book um because you can get a series it's, it's mm. a it's quite a ruthless place um and as you get more sales <laughs> I, I felt as the net widened on on the garnet girls the review numbers the review ratings sort of, sort of come down but i've been reassured by other authors that that, that is what happens yeah. but you know you, i've had moments like that and then i've gone on instagram which for me is a joyous joyous place yes. i'm only really just discovering it as an author but and i'll find i'll be tagged in a thread and you your heart slightly oh god is this going to be good or bad yeah. <laughs> and then i've found threads where it's just like kind of down 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 and one blogger starts off i really love the garnet goes oh yeah i've bought that because of you mm-hmm. oh yes i read that because of you i love and it just goes down and you're like oh my god there's this whole community of people talking to each other yeah without you knowing about it about your book and you're seeing something that is so precious which is word of mouth in action yeah um, and people talk about the magical word of mouth um, and a lot of the times, you know, it doesn't, as a book publicist, I know this, it doesn't happen when you want it to. But when you find it like that, it re- that is really the most magical feeling. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with them all, all commenting on one another's and sort of um, showing all this love, you know, you get so excited as an mm. author thinking, gosh, this is so great to see. Mm. And then you comment going, thank you so mm. much. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, the author's commented. You know, it's so different to, like, film or TV mm. where this person that's created it or participated in it is, like, so far removed yeah. from the viewer, whereas the kind of author reader relationship can actually become so personal and they go to events Mm. and they you know you interact with them online and like suddenly there's this kind of like friendship relationship between reader and author that you know is just so special I love it and I had um we were in Brighton for an event and 
couple of book bloggers who I knew, and you know them by their name. I always joke yeah. about this. Just another book. Yeah. Just read a book. Good read. And so sometimes if you, you know, if you've got a lot of them that you know, they can all, you're like, which one's this? Oh, gosh. And you haven't probably met them in real life. Yes. Yeah. And um, I always say on on Twitter particularly, please come and grab me and say who you are. Yeah. Because I won't Shout know. Shout your handle yeah, and I'll yeah. know. <laughs> and and um, they've uh, kind of on book tour, they've started doing that, which was so nice. And then I always get a photo. Look, I met, just read a book. Um, and I love it so much I think probably I love it more because it's been a long time knowing them as a publicist and now to know them as an author has been really really special there's one called Linda Hill who's just a legend yes she Uh, actually posted about one of our books uh, yesterday she's so great she's so lovely she's um she's such a kind woman I remember one of our first events you know it was probably donkeys years ago maybe 15 years ago at Hachette and we had a roof terrace top um, book club and she came so I've known her for years and years and years wow. and I think I was more nervous about her review of the Garner Girls than I was of the Sunday Times yeah wow I'm just I, and that is honestly how yeah. I feel because I really hoped it was a Linda kind of book yeah because um, you get to know them and, yeah. and what they enjoy. Luckily, she loved it. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the great review. Glad yeah. you, glad you loved it. But yeah, like, and also I feel like you know when you get to know, especially from like your point of view as, as a publicist, mm. that you get to know all these people and what they like, and then when you have then written something and you're like, I know that they are my, the audience that I'm looking for. It is that added pressure. Whereas you know like the Sunday Times they are kind of forced to read more of a variety so you never get an idea of like if they have a particular genre they like it's just kind of read fiction and some of them do like fiction and non-fiction Mm. so there's just such a wide variety whereas if you know like I know this person will like this book to get the confirmation of it must be really special I I think it is good though having not to have dissed this I don't want to diss the Sunday Times but both Sunday Times and Saturday Times have now started a what they call popular fiction roundup Um, it's quite Saturday Times has done it for a while but Sunday Times is a new new thing and and it's brilliant May we just commend that um, and and look for it in all the other national newspapers. I think it's absolutely brilliant um, because these are the books that people are reading in numbers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the bestsellers that are supporting the publishing industry. Yes. Um, and I yeah. think people should be able to see some of them reviewed in, you know, in magazines and newspapers. Yeah, definitely. Like, because you see the really, like, prestigious ones, mm. like A Little Life and the mm. ones that are just really, you know, Shuggy Bane, the ones that are really, yeah, like, yeah. harrowing. But, you know, sometimes you want one that just makes you feel really good yeah. or that you just really enjoy the process of actually reading it and, you know, it doesn't have to be something Escapism. really... People yeah, really it doesn't have to be really heavy. Yeah, especially, like, <laughs> you know, if you're, you know, you're experiencing the cost of living crisis, I then I don't know. want to read about the cost of living crisis. I had someone say something which I really... Because when you're a debut writer, you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> sorry to... Sorry to... <laughs> leisure. But what I mean is you don't know what kind of writer you are. Yeah. Um, or you're going to be. And quite early on, someone read The Garnet Girls and said, oh, yeah, I love this because it's escapist, but not sentimental. 
Oh, and I, I wrote it on a note and I put it on my, in Betsy, my writing boat, I put it on the wall in front of me because I thought, yes, that's exactly what I want to be. Yeah. I want to transport the reader to beautiful settings. And some mm -hmm. people have say I've turned the Isle of Wight into the Hamptons, <laughs> but there you go. Um, it did make me want to go for a visit, <laughs> it's true. People keep saying that the tourist board, the Isle of Wight tourist yes, board, should keep the carnival. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I want that. And I want, I like that, I, you know, I wanted some glamour. I like a bit mm -hmm. of glamour and, and those girls are definitely glamorous but I think that there's also a lot of harsh life in there yeah there's alcoholism there's mm -hmm. emotional struggle um there's darkness and you know love affairs broken um and the realities of being a, a woman and trying to juggle mm -hmm. have it all yeah. find the right love uh, without compromising your artistic self all those issues are there so I think that you know you can do both yeah. I think that you know, and why can't we celebrate that? We we you can you can have lightness of touch and and beautiful settings and glamour, and you can deal with the facts of you know living. Yeah, and it, it's it's that kind of balance that makes it like a really, you know, realistic book where you can relate to the characters and you understand them, but you still get that escapism where you're just kind of jumping into someone else's yeah. life for a moment and you get the the relief of them having a good night, a good party, yeah. a good this, a good that. But then you're also like, but these are real people it's and they real. do have real problems and this is where they all come up rather than just either it's light and fluffy and their lives mm. are amazing or it's you know dark it's, and harrowing it's the middle and, isn't it yes i there are very very many parties in the garnet girls and the, there is a good reason for that which is that i wrote it in lockdown right and i was stuck like everyone with nowhere to go i was dreaming of the island the isle of wight um and that's why people have been kind enough to say there's a kind of longing in the descriptions mm -hmm. which is true because there was but also there are parties because i was living vicariously because i do love a party yeah and i was living vicariously through those parties because yeah. we weren't going to any parties so in the garnet girls um there are a few negronis going on and a few parties um and yeah I was imagining myself there yes so did you used to live on the Isle of Wight is that where the longing comes from or was it just visits or so we um quite early on we, we we're river we're houseboat dwellers we ha we live on a houseboat near um Hampton Court in the Thames wow and I think we just water people and I I really when the kids were little I really wanted somewhere to go to at the weekends that was beaches mm-hmm because basically beaches are my happy place. And someone said to us, oh, what about the Isle of Wight? And James, my partner, found this incredible houseboat community in the Isle of Wight in Bembridge Harbour. Oh, and we bought a houseboat there, which we decide, which I decided we could afford if we did it as a holiday rental. Okay. And it's called Sturdy, and it's an old Thames lighter hole. She's massive. She sleeps nine. And I've done Whoa. her very, quite glamorous. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, and at the time, I used all my cotton, got her in magazines and stuff. But she basically looks out across the harbour and to the Solent beyond. Mm -hmm. um, and she lifts up once, twice a day on the tide, but mostly she's sitting on the sand in the harbour. Wow. And um, she's been, uh, I mean, people love renting her. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of a perfect family holiday place and a bit unusual. Yes. And do you leave like a few weeks in the summer for yes. you and your family? Yes. I guess because you couldn't like have a lovely boat sitting there and be like, no, I'm I not going to put myself there. And sometimes I think, oh... You know, shall we stop renting it? But we've got to that stage in life where the kids have something 
the whole time at the weekend. Yeah. Whether it's rugby or cricket yeah. or, you know, and they they don't want to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when they were little, you know, they didn't have any say in it. Off we all went, yeah. buckets and spades. You're going to have a great beach. time. <laughs> great time. Here's an ice cream. But, yeah, so we spent a lot of time on those beaches when they were growing up. So, mm. for me, it has these lovely memories of that. Yeah. And now James and I try, we, we, we tell each other, you know, you go and have a weekend or you go and have a week. So I have right. a girl's weekend. He has a, so we do it. And recently I went for the book uh, with my pal and brilliant writer friend, Patrick Gale, who, oh, yes, his... he was born on the Isle of Wight. Oh, really? His yeah. book's fantastic. His book's, he's amazing. And I used to look after his publicity and now we're friends. And he was absolutely, he came all the way from Land's End in Cornwall to the Isle of Wight and stayed with me on Sturdy, the houseboat, and for two nights we had the best time. Oh wow! And I did two events in uh, one in um, Benbridge in the sailing club and one in Cows in the sailing club, and he interviewed me, which oh, was amazing. Lovely. And it was just so generous. I mean, there there has been people who've been so so generous. It's been amazing, but we had the best time. So yes, so that's why I love the island. Mm. And if I'm ever stressed or life's feeling a bit much, I do have a bit of a moment of thinking of, you know, I'd be walking on Bembridge Beach with Bomber, my border terrier, just me and Bomber, who is happy to go on a beach in any weather, Aww. unlike the children. Yes. <laughs> but um, so I just, when he was a puppy, I took him and he just looked at me. He was like, what is this place? <laughs> this like, is it, leave me here. And I was like, yeah, you're the right dog for me. You're just He'll just come out with me in any weather and he's Aww. so excited. So um, yeah, it's a very special place. Oh, amazing. And so with that in mind, the kind of the fact that the Isle of Wight has such a close connection to you, and also because, as we were saying earlier, like the, the book is so kind of, all the characters are so realistic, are any of them inspired by anyone in, in real life or any kind of situations, or was it mainly just... So we were there, and we were on um, Seagrove Bay, which is one of those most beautiful... It's got the very big, smart huge houses they right. look like they should some of them look like they should be in bond movies oh, wow. and they're right on the sand and seagrove bay is just before you come to priory bay and it's, it is proper white sand mm. and we were walking there and this family came out of a sort of ramshackle edwardian house on the beach and there were loads of them and they were all screaming at each other and <laughs> talking over and laughing and they were all going sailing together and it just a penny dropped for me because i thought what would it be like to grow up in this small community mm-hmm and we knew enough about it then we'd made friends and, and met people and we knew enough about it then to know that it's the kind of place where you know even I who don't live there if I walk along Membridge Beach certain time of the day by after about half an hour I'll end up with five or six people with their dogs and we're walking yeah everybody knows calls each other's names in the shops and everything yeah and I'm a London I'm a Londoner born and bred mm-hmm. so I didn't have that experience of a close community yeah. and, 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 and living in that way and so I was really fascinated by would it be claustrophobic because I was a, a quite a rebellious teen which is you know the inspiration a little bit for Margot and Sasha what they go through but mm-hmm. I would have found it I think quite claustrophobic everyone knowing yeah. you your history what you you know yeah there's kind of less privacy yeah. and everything in so I wanted to explore that how mm-hmm. that kind of island community means different things to the different women mm-hmm. so for Rachel it's 
she's got herself into a mess by trying to keep everyone happy and has taken over the house, Sandcove. Yeah. But really she's living a life that's not her life, it's Margot's life. And then you've got Imogen who really wants to be there, but she also is just trying to carve her way and find some independence separate mm-hmm. from Margot. And then you've got Sasha who thinks she should run as far away from home in the claustrophobic island where there's, you know, no diversity and no opportunities and yeah. as, as far away as possible. But then you realise within the course of the novel that really a large part of her heart is still mm-hmm. in home. She just doesn't know how to get back there. Yeah. Um, and that's I, where she's like able to kind of heal and and it's that thing that she's looking for it's like surprising that she finds it on the Isle of Wight rather than London when she's like yeah so desperate Mm. to just get away but she's sort of in I mean they're all all of them like I think we spend a lot of our a lot of us do spend a lot of time in denial they're in denial yeah and they like you know it's a very simple thing but once they start talking to each other mm-hmm. and especially the three sisters once they realize that united they're stronger because mm. of course they've all been through a trauma yeah and they've lost their father when they were very very young and that is a trauma and i was fascinated as i, I think i mentioned earlier I, I live with a psychotherapist which can be useful when you're writing not so useful mm. when they want to analyze you for free <laughs> Uh, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but he, w- what I was interested in exploring with him, and he talked to me quite a lot about this, is how the three girls would go through the same trauma, mm. but how you would see the effects of it so differently on their yes, lives. Yeah. And so that's really important in the Garnet Girls. But but what they need to realise is that they're the only three, they're the three people in each other's lives that know what it was like. Mm-hmm. So when they unite, they are stronger and yeah. they can confront Margot and they can they can band together and so hopefully by the end of the book you've got this sense of them coming together and realising yeah. that as long as they share and open up then things will be better what mm-hmm. they've all done is they've gone off away from each other to try and find their own way yeah. but they need their support and what was so interesting was that you know it wasn't a typical like oh, I you know I hate my sister I'm never talking to her it was it was like out of love and care mm. for each other that they didn't talk because mm. they were like oh, I don't want to bring this up and you know I don't want that to trigger this in them and mm. you know so they keep it all to themselves rather than realizing that talking was going to be the answer for all of them rather than a, a trigger for all of them yeah um and also um the eldest Rachel mm. she was so interesting because she kind of overlapped in in two different groups being that she was the eldest yes. and and the most understanding of what was going on yeah. and kind of taking on like a role when the father leaves because she's the oldest mm. and like Margot's obviously then going through a whole different trauma mm. from the same situation it's kind of like she's sandwiched somewhere in the middle because she's going through what her sisters are going through but she's yeah. also experiencing a bit of what Margot she is. remembers she yes. remembers her father I mean yeah. I think Rachel you with Rachel you're supposed to as the reader you know you're not you're not sure because she seems like the sensible one mm-hmm. she seems you know and then later on in the book you have a flashback to the past when she's the 11 year old I think it's called Latchkey Kid the the chapter and you find out that she was really looking after them all that was so sad to actually because you did you got the the idea you know that that might have been what happened but then to actually Mm. read it through is is so heartbreaking and I think that a lot of people have said when they get to that bit that they sort of suddenly then understand Rachel yeah and I definitely wanted to do that in this book that you don't you don't 
you're supposed to go on a journey mm-hmm. and, and maybe your view of the girls and your view of Margot might change by the end. Yeah. But it's not always going to be, you're not always going to think that they're wonderful. You're going to think at times they're misguided and yes. they're making the wrong decision. Yeah. I really wanted to achieve that. That's yeah. what I wanted to do because... I like going on a journey like that. I'm very much, uh, uh, I love a novel that's character driven. Yes. Um, and so I guess that's what I, I really wanted to, you know, the, the, the plot in The Garnet Girls lies in the characters. Definitely. Uh, I wasn't so, yes, there is a secret and it comes out, but I wasn't so so interested in that as, as the way, the, the interplay between the, the yes, four of them. Definitely. And the emotional damage they've been through together and how they get themselves you know that feeling, I don't know whether you've ever had this, when you go to, when you're like have a new boyfriend or girlfriend and you go and visit their family and you're thrown into that family um, vibe and it's, it can be so intimidating, especially yeah. if it's a, char- a charismatic family like yeah. the Garnets are, because they've got their own language, yeah. they've got their own way of talking to each other, they've got their own sense of humour, mm-hmm. they've got all these shared in jokes, and mm-hmm. they just pick up conversations. Got their own you, etiquette yeah, and everything. Yeah, and, and exactly, and Margot's a nightmare. It's all like, you've got to be at breakfast at this time, and you, yeah. I remember staying somewhere like that where, as a teenager and just being, and just I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> but it was so glamorous. Yeah. So I think probably a little bit of my feeling about that, those kind of houses filled of people and there's a kind of be down by nine or there's no yeah. breakfast and, you know, gin and tonic at six. And yeah. The kind of rules. I really wanted to capture that. So I really wanted to throw the reader in as if they're being immersed in a family and they're a bit like, mm. oh my God, who are all these <laughs> what's people? Ha- what's, what's happening? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I really wanted to do that. But that, yeah can't remember what we would we, we've gone we've traveled the <laughs> yeah. journey together from this question well I mean even you know um Margot she takes so much comfort and I understand this so much she takes so much comfort in the familiar and the yes. kind of tradition of you know but we always use this cutlery but we always have yes. this place setting but yes. we always decorate the tree like this at Christmas yes. and I understand that so much yeah. and you know like she she is such a complex character and you know even though I I did like her from the beginning I was definitely like I couldn't understand why she was doing some mm. things and that was like frustrating because I totally understood where more where Sasha was coming yeah, from who's yeah. the more rebel child and yeah. you know hates Margot in the way that you hate someone mm. that you unconditionally love and his family but yeah. she you know she really does hate her and I understood completely where she was coming from mm. but then that bit the flashback to um Rachel kind of taking over and mm. and looking after them when they were younger that actually, like, it, it made me understand Rachel, but it also completely changed my opinion of Margot mm. because then you see her in her, like, vulnerable, mm. kind of, it's just happened. And because you then understand also her relationship with Sasha because mm. Sasha was so young, she never would have seen that. Mm. And so her empathy for her mother would have just gone straight. Like, it would never have existed because she didn't understand that this is what was happening. I think that's right. And Sasha doesn't... You know, Rachel knows what it's like to have Rachel as a father. She can mm-hmm. remember him ringing the doorbell late at night, drunk, trying to get in. She can remember the rows. Mm. Uh, you know, she's 11. So I think, you know, we have a lot of... I think it's proven that a lot of your first, early, strongest, clear memories are mm. sort of 10, 11. 
So she remembers. So so she thinks that she wants nothing to do with him ever again and doesn't even want to think about him. Whereas Sasha, who's never known him, thinks that there's something missing. Yeah. And so she's chasing this idea right from that first scene when you open and she's she's chasing her father when mm-hmm. as a little girl. She's chasing this idea, and this is why she's making bad decisions mm-hmm. about men. Um, because she's got this ide- idealised view of what her father is and how her life would be different. Yeah. But I think with Margot, yeah, you're not supposed to always know what she's doing. And she's a strange mixture, which is that in many ways she's a free spirit. Yeah. Um, and and, and sh- she loves sex. She's having an affair with a much younger man. She knows how to let her hair down. She's got a great sense of humour and she's the life and soul. But at the same time, she's also strangely traditional yeah and uh, has a traditional idea for her daughters of what she wants them yeah but i think that is very true to life because i think there are people who in many ways do seem like they're a free spirit but actually if you dig a bit deeper underneath that can be quite some traditional ideas especially if they're a certain generation or so i think she's supposed to be that mixture and and really, her decisions for her girls is only based on love and what mm-hmm. she's been through yeah. and wanting them to avoid it. She doesn't, if you dig deep with Margaret, she doesn't really want those boring men in the house. No. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she makes it apparent to them while also yeah. being like, okay, but get yeah. engaged now. God, oh my <laughs> yeah. God, they're so dull. Oh my she gosh. loves Gabriel. Yes. And Gabriel is the one who... You know, I think it's Sasha who says she wishes she could bring someone home. Oh, no, it's Imogen. Imogen says she wishes she could bring someone home who won't just fit in Mm -hmm. at Sankove, but who will bring their own... Make their own space in the family. Make their own space the way Gabriel Mm -hmm. has. Yes. And that's really what they're all looking for. Yeah. And that's why when when we're worried that Gabriel has done something wrong Mm -hmm. and is not living up to Sasha, uh, not living up to Rachel... To panic. Everyone feels it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, Gabriel, what are you doing? You're the perfect man. Yes. This can't be. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, and I think people have asked me, do I think he overstepped a line? Um, and I think, you know, he probably did overstep a line in terms of the rules of what you're supposed to do as a psychotherapist. Yeah. But I, d- you know, does he love Rachel? Yeah. Does, you know, are are they, in my mind, are they going to have a workable partnership? Yes. And also... I feel quite optimistic about them. Yes, and you feel like, you know, what he did did not come from, like, a malicious place Mm. or even an angry place. It wasn't out of resentment. There was kind of no sort of connection to the relationship Mm. why he did what he did. But then he saw the effects it was going to Mm. have and then, like, kind of panicked, I guess. And mm. But you you do understand him and why he did what he did. And also, I think you kind of need that mm. to show that he is not the perfect no. person. No no, exactly. Like, you know, people make mistakes. And, you know, if he didn't make a mistake and was just this perfect person, mm. then you would understand Rachel's kind of, like, the, her, like, being unsettled. You would understand mm. it less. Yeah, I think that's right. And also, there is no... You know, there is no perfect partnership. Mm. You know, in my opinion, long-term relationships do go through this. It's the balance of power. And whether people don't like to talk about this, but it is true Mm -hmm. that, you know, if someone's got too much, you know, if if, if the balance is off and everyone is getting, and someone's got everything their way 
in the terms of where where they want to live how they want the children educated Mm -hmm. the career they want and the other person hasn't that does breed resentment yeah and what's happened is actually if you look at it gabriel's got everything his own way yeah at the beginning of this you know he's living in the big house because he loves that lifestyle he wants the kids to grow up with freedom and horse riding and taking out the kayaks and the beach life and he's got the brilliant work-life balance of being a psychotherapist but also you know looking after the kids and doing lovely family man rachel's running around not having what she wants yeah and that has bred an imbalance yeah so I was just trying to explore that that even in even when you adore someone and love and they you know they are you see them at the um it's Imogen's engagement party you see them dancing together and 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 they are and they those sisters all aspire to have something like that yeah. but that doesn't mean it's perfect no long term mm-hmm. relationship is perfect at all times yeah and getting the balance of between what you both want out of your life at the same time Mm -hmm. is so impossible. And I think it's funny because the way they view Gabriel is the fact that, you know, like, he is being the best man for Rachel. He is being what Margot wants for Rachel. And it's actually like, well, it just so happens that what he wants is what Margot wants. Exactly. And so everybody's happy. And it's like, mm, but he's not married to Margot. Exactly. He's Margot's, married to, yeah. He's Margot's perfect man. And I you, often and you, think that. Yes, you, get, you definitely get that yeah, sense yeah. at the beginning. You know, she loves cooking dinners with yeah, him. Yeah, and, like, yeah. you know, they don't... How annoying for Rachel. Oh, my gosh. Their relationship is, is like, uh, a marriage on the mm. side kind of thing. Um So, yeah, like, that, that kind of, you know, Rachel not being happy at points is Mm. just perfectly normal and then him having to kind of bend a bit to her towards the end and like Mm. kind of mold a bit for her like actually that then becomes takes it back yeah and that then becomes a more kind of equal relationship then i had i had someone say to me at an event a man of course <laughs> it's all very well this feminist stuff about you know women getting what they want and i was like oh god here we go <laughs> here we go but you know i mean it, it may be a feminist message that you're but but you know all the women are unlikable but the men are great <laughs> it's like okay, okay. It really made me all, the, all the men are great <laughs> he likes he likes Phil's the men. great no he don't <laughs> phil phil people hate phil yes but um just it, a lot of people have talked to me about a sequel um, mm-hmm. I get messages most days of will you bring them back because obviously yeah. it's not all wrapped up I didn't it's, want it to yes. be I didn't want all cosy happy endings yeah. and Imogen in my opinion they're out there living their lives on the Dover mm-hmm. but there's it, more life there. there's more life there but if um, if I was to write a sequel just on Gabriel I'd be interested to know how the new life is suiting him mm. Because then you that don't want be, the yeah. the flip reverse where suddenly no. he's then not got anything he's no. wanted. And that's when things become dangerous, especially with men when they get to a certain age. Sorry to say, <laughs> um, you know, so you just have to you just have to be aware of that. But I'm intrigued to know how it is. You know, how's Gabriel settling in in London? Yes, especially with this kind of because he did something wrong. Like even mm. though there was this resolution or mm. or like an agreement to work towards yeah. a resolution. You know, you never know if if it, you know, whether he's there because he feels he has to as a mm. kind of, did he move there out of guilt or did he move there because exactly. he loves her and he's okay with having that life. There's, um, and and also there, there could be the sense of, you know, he's had his way 
for you know 10 15 years exactly so is she now going to have the next 10 15 years and is she going to keep making him feel bad about everything yes because she really shouldn't that yes would not, that would be ill-advised I think. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be healthy no but i completely understand <laughs> at the same time what if, happens. yeah if she didn't because it, it would be it's human nature it's hard to forget I so i would actually completely understand if she if she couldn't forget mm. about it but obviously for their relationship i i hope she does yeah and is able to move on <laughs> but yeah all oh, very interesting well i'm gonna pass you over to carrie now to talk more about the publishing side and publicity side but thank you so much and that's all for this week. A huge thank you to Georgina for such a wonderful in-depth conversation about her incredible new novel. The Garnet Girls was published earlier this year and is available to buy now. Tune in again on the 26th of June to hear all about Georgina's career in publishing as she reveals all with Carrie. Until then, have a great Monday everyone. <laughs>